Sonic States. Right, hello everybody and welcome to Sonic Talk number 73. This is our post-NAM post-mortem, or something along those lines. Um, we're joined this week um, by an old friend who hasn't been here for quite some time, uh, Mr. Oz Owen, who's... Who, um, I'm just trying to think, was the last time we talked to you, you were here as a, in the capacity of as editor of Future Music, or...? Um... That's right, yeah. But uh, since the, uh, that auspicious beginning, I've uh, moved on, and uh, now representing several... Uh, of the industry's great and good companies uh, as part of Feedback PR with um, Andy Jones, of course, another ex-editor of Future Music. Um, Oz and Andy were both, of course, at NAMM, um, which is kind of the theme of the show, because um, as was PJ Tracy, who uh, is joining us from Minneapolis, where I believe it's currently minus 26 degrees. Is that right, PJ? That is correct. Bit of a come it down is. from sort of sunny California. Oh, yeah. Well, it was, you know, I'd, I'd much rather take the weather in Anaheim, for sure. I don't know why I didn't just send away from my fiancé and my kittens and live the good life at the Daisy in Anaheim. <laughs> Is that where you were? Well, congratulations. We were, of course, at the Best Western. Anybody who have seen my, my Nokia N95 video blog post thing. Would've. I think we stayed in the in the mirror hotel of each other. I, it, you were around the corner the other way from Convention Way, um, from me, probably equidistant, and I think they built the same hotel. Must be on a ley line two- or something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Ley lines in Anaheim. Now there's a thought. There's a concept, isn't there? Uh, so, uh, and also Mr. Dave Spears from G4 Software, g4software.com. Hello. Hello. How was your trip back? Uh, actually, it wasn't too bad. It was better than normal. We t- took the nine o'clock flight out, so it was like drink and then fall asleep and then land in the UK at some, I think it was sort of early evening. Yeah. So basically I only had to get through a few hours before I went back to bed again. I, I, we got the seven o'clock flight, which was a little easier because you kind of get back about mid-afternoon and you can sort of stay awake for a few more hours. Um, but it was a tough, I have to say, even... even um, even that, I felt absolutely dreadful because I think Sunday night came and both me and Andy just started coughing <laughs> incessantly yeah. just after the show ended. You know, we managed to hold it together for four or five days and then on Sunday night it all just fell apart. So our few brief hours off after the show, which we spent, was just spent kind of coughing really. Although we did find the most amazing sushi bar where we both ordered these enormous plates of sushi for about six bucks and they were really good. Wow. I just don't wow. know what it was doing there, but it was. Uh, we'll definitely be going back. I think I might even get a taxi to eat there because it was the most healthy thing I'd had the whole show. I was quite surprised by the food, actually. I thought it was a lot better than it usually is. There was uh, slightly more on offer than the usual sort of, you know, foot-thick steaks and fries. and. Yeah, maybe you're right. I did see you with a, uh, a boxed pizza, I believe, on Saturday night and was questioning your uh, to be fair, nutritional... I, I think you could have caught me on any day of the week with one of those. Uh well, of course, we had pizza every night from the the fabulous Vito's Pizza um, Restaurant on Orangewood, which is our favourite place to eat because it's uh, good, wholesome family fun and um, family. Fun. Well, Joe and Mama are very welcoming, and they make great wine. You say family fun. Well, if your if your family's the Sopranos, then yeah, I kind of go. Yeah, along there with is that. an element. There is a, a lot of Italian Americanness <laughs> to it. And it, but it, it's great for that. I've got that photo from last year of the owner. What's his name? Joe. Joe, yeah. I uh, I must send it to you. You can post it on the website, and uh, we should have a, a Soprano vote. He's very patriarchal, isn't he? And he's always telling us. He comes out with his uh, mug of wine and tells us about his latest multi-million dollar property deal, wherever it is, whether it's in Sicily or somewhere in the Northern Californian hills, <laughs> where he's knocked somebody down from kind of, you know, they wanted... 20 million and I got it for 400,000 or whatever, you know, you sort of wonder what sort of, <laughs> what he managed to, ex- what pressure he exerted them under. Since some of the boys over there, they took care of him. No, for that, him. I, 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 that's probably doing him a disservice. He's a lovely bloke and they're lovely people and um, we wouldn't want anybody to get the wrong idea about them because it's a really nice, That's a, it's like it's like a family home from home when we go there and I do enjoy it and we had quite a lot of pizza from there. Although we did go on Saturday night, Dave, didn't we, after our um, uh, margarita-thon. Yay. And they were shut, and we ended up in Carl Jr.'s. Ooh, uh, what it. a place. <laughs> Gee. Don't try and make out you're disgusted. Well, my, it my wasn't f- as bad as I thought. Uh-huh. But the the best one has to be, because Chris, my partner's vegetarian, and so he ordered the garden burger, which was basically a bun with lettuce in it. 
We did have a lot of fun that night. I'd just like to say we got together with, uh, there was uh, Non-Eric from the podcast, uh, Chris and Dave from GeForce Software. I think we bumped into Oz and Andy Jones as well, and uh, Andy, uh, Mac, and myself, and we just got really drunk. And because the rest of the time we're, you know, we were going back to the hotel and just sort of getting on with work, and it was really high pressure for us. So it was a real big blowout. And I know, uh, I know for one that Andy was feeling absolutely terrible the next day but he the trooper that he is he managed to get through through it although uh there were a couple of things where he just totally forgot to press record while someone was kind of going off on that <laughs> but you know we won't say who well how much could you miss at this year's nam yes i suppose we should get onto that of course um all this hilarity is really geared around the fact that we all went to nam sunny anaheim of course um the big nam show is big and uh, apparently it was a record year this year, um, up by 4% attendances, 88,000 and something attendees, I don't know, several thousand booth owners, um, lots of kind of rather enthusiastic quotes in the in the mail out I got this morning. Um, obviously, um, with with the kind of sense of, you know, recession or whatever looming in the US, they want to make a brave face on it. But it was busy. And I think what they did this year, um, although it was a little bit draconian on the badge entry, they kind of stopped quite a lot of the usual nutters and freaks getting in which in one thing is good um, because it means you can go about your business unhindered but another thing it's kind of bad because you don't have so much fun things to look at and enjoy i was dreading it actually because i thought the badge the whole badge policy had uh, taken a draconian turn but actually it was better because the uh, caliber of people he had wandering around uh, was more kind of industry-led as opposed to the bemulleted guitarist with a thousand yard stare yeah and uh, have you got any free stuff mm. Yeah, there wasn't so much of that. Well, I wouldn't know because I mean I was the one who was actually asking for free stuff. Because on the second day, I think I lost my um, my or my Sony headphones were were removed from my uh, my video wagon, which was a shame because I was a bit stuck. But I did get, in fact, Oz is sporting them now. They're a pair of uh, the brand new M Audio. Hold on, I'll just read off what the side there. M Audio Studio File Q40s. How do they sound, Oz? Uh, delightful, are and they-, they are a wonderful fit. They're a wonderful fit. They were very, um, they very generously um, let me take a pair, which uh, I, I guess, you know, considering I was wearing M Audio on the back of my neck for the rest of the show, is, is you know, I like to feel my, there was some trade-off here. Um, the only thing I would say about them is the earpieces are very large, which means when you take them off and put them sort of around your neck, as I want to do when I'm not actually, um, you know, using them, um, I feel like I'm wearing a kind of restrictive collar of some kind and it, it became i got some nasty chafing under my chin chafing well i must admit on second thoughts they are a little tight and i do have a rather slim head so uh i can't imagine what uh well i sh- i shan't say who but uh, somebody <laughs> but with a very large head some with a larger head might make of them mm, who knows but uh, they do sound good well, other end of the scale i bought some of those bose quiet comforts while i was away in uh, Did you anaheim really? and, and how uh, are they? I can't speak highly enough of them. That's probably enough of an advert for them. But yeah, it's uh, been a long time coming. Oh, really? Well, we got, um, because we were lucky enough to get upgraded on the way there and back. Um, Not not through having any cash, but just knowing someone with some spare air miles, to be honest. Um, And I wore them on the plane and they were... They were definitely noise suppressing. This is Eric Persing. You're listening to Sonic Talk on SonicState.com. Okay, so PJ, um, both myself... uh, Dave and Oz, or all of, all of us, have been before. You haven't. What did you make of Nam? What what does it? What impressions would you uh, were, were strongest from the show for you? I thought it was great. Um, it's it's intimidatingly large. Um, the convention. I mean, it's it, it's stimulus overload. Uh, by the second day, I think you said it well in your in your film video log. Um, people ask you, so you see anything cool at the show, and you're just kind of like, oh. Uh, I can't remember. Yeah, probably. I'm sure I did. Yeah. <laughs> I think so. Um, met a lot of really fantastic people. Uh, there are legends everywhere walking around. John Bowen, Dave Smith, um, Don Buchla, all the you know ran into all of these guys, and it's kind of like wow, you know, just all in one, all in one spot. I'd imagine. I mean, because obviously we were sort of wondering how you how you got on because i know that your your eyesight isn't 100 percent, so it must have i mean we find it hard enough yeah that's all that's always a bit of an issue in in big crowds and what i what i uh i it's it's interesting i I inherited from my father a pretty good sense of direction so i think you know usually when i get into a situation like that i take the first part of the day and sort of orient myself 
figure out where all the major landmarks are and then i never you know then i never really have an issue but yeah navigating navigating through a really tight crowd especially saturday when when you got more of the public started inundating the the convention center it it started to become more of an issue and i was i was pretty happy to get out of there by about three o'clock on saturday that's about the peak of it i think isn't it shame shame we didn't have the mullet brigade there because you know you can always kind of get a rough sense of where you are from those guys because their mullets are always pointing away from the guitars (laughs) 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 they're like sort of like compasses or kumpai (laughs) <laughs> I, f- I found that it was it was nice to be able to sort of escape to the second floor when things started to get a little rough yeah, the second floor was kind of wild wasn't it? well not wild at all quite the opposite and and in fact it's sort of great but not perhaps if you're an exhibitor because uh why don't we start there because uh john bowen and analog haven and all those guys were up in room 210d and usually they're at the bottom of the escalators in the lower hall which is you know you get a lot of passing traffic whereas up here passing traffic is kind of it's the people who are lost, basically, Slim. probably looking yeah, for somebody else. And it was so, so quiet, um, which is, you know, it has pluses and minuses. It's great for us filming it, but, I mean, uh, imagine, the, the you know, the thousands of bucks you invest in putting a show together, and then you're stuck up there. It must have been a little bit disappointing, I would have thought. PJ, you got to go and see the uh, Solaris and talk to John, um, and we, we filmed a piece on the Solaris, and... Uh, He's, uh, he is a jolly nice chap, and he kind of practically ah. ripped his entire rig to get uh, apart so that we could get an audio feed as well, which is very kind of him. But Couldn't I guess- be a nicer guy. Couldn't be a nicer guy. Spend about two and a half hours with him. Good Just, Lord. Yeah, I, he is a, yeah, amazing, amazing guy. And uh, that looks to be like uh, one hell of a synthesizer. Mm. Mm, it does, doesn't it? I mean, yeah. uh, he's an avid fan of the podcast, so uh, if you're listening, John... Hello from everybody. That um, Hi, John. <laughs> um, and we'll have to try and get him on at some point, because uh, I think he'd quite like to, to join us. But yeah, the Solaris is coming on, making the noise, uh, looking mighty impressive, um, and sounding pretty good, too. Sounding awesome. Did you get yeah, to see it, Dave? sounds awesome. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, I spent quite a while up there, but like you say, the traffic was pretty slight. Mm. I mean, I had a great chat with John and his wife, and uh, but I felt kind of obliged to sort of move away whenever anybody else came along to sort of ask yeah. him questions, because it was like, well, they weren't coming by too often. Yeah. Did no. you guys know that John is fluent in Japanese? No, I didn't. Mm. Yeah, one of the bigwigs from Korg stopped by up there while I was there, and he carried on a, a very facile conversation in Japanese with the gentleman. Amazing. So anyway, yeah, that was up there. And also, um, the other things that I saw, because um, as is traditional, we go back on the Sunday and we film, you know, all the kind of guys and gals on the uh, the Analog Haven booth. And uh, the the highlight for me has to be talking to Scott Yeager from Harvestman. That was just brilliant. Did anyone see that video? He uh, was showing his um, uh, Polyvox filter module, which sounded absolutely brilliant in the flesh. You know, it really did kind of it evoked the sound but he had these other kind of digital modules the zorlon canon time safari and what have you and it's he's just like sort of digital mayhem creator and i thought that was absolutely superb as was mike brown of uh, limewire was showing his sort of super oscillator so all those and um mustn't forget peter grenada who's possibly the nicest man in analog synthesis ness i think um and uh we we managed to get through all of them and film i think i got like an hour and a half a tape with all of those guys which is all up online now so um um that was great to to see what they were up to and it's a real tight community isn't it i mean they're all kind of they all credit each other with coming up for kind of modifications of each other's designs cool all right <laughs> sorry that was that was meant to elicit some kind of response but uh that's fine did you have, any- you, got, have you got a sound effect of a tumbleweed uh, yeah, no, I'll tell you what I've got. I've got this, which is even better. <laughs> I'm not sure what Gary would think being compared to a tumbleweed. Well, I'll tell you what. Uh, Gary Newman's 50 in a couple of weeks. So I thought I'd uh, intersperse the show with a few Gary Newmanisms. Um, and uh, that was the first, of course, uh, the opening few bars of Cars. A brum brum. This is Gary Garretton, and you're listening to Sonic Talk at sonicstate.com. PJ, there were lots of pianos up, upstairs as well. I remember seeing you on the bald, was it the Baldwin um, boo- room with all those kind of amazingly coloured pianos? I think I took a fine photo of you sitting at a zebra-painted grand. 
Oh, which fantastic. Had, which had reverse keys, which made it, must have made it absolutely impossible to play, as in fact somebody <laughs> said to me, said, you can't play anything on it because it's all wrong. They weren't reversed properly either. They were just kind of random reverse. So it was all sort of a bit... Yeah, I think once you get your, your start point, you should be okay. I mean, unless you, unless you are one of those that stare at your hands while you play. Yeah, uh, like me. Yeah. Chopsticks, you know, I've got to look. I saw those, um, I think I was in that room with the pianos at the same time, so I might have uh, bumped into you at some stage, PJ. But I was quite surprised because, yeah, they look amazing, but it's kind of like that synth syndrome that seemed to happen a a few years back, you know, where every single synth was sort of designed just to hook you in from the the first few patches. And I kind of think that those pianos are the same. It's like they, they kind of look great for a while, but when you wake up with a hangover... And you're faced with that one that looks like an explosion in a Dayglow paint factory. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'm not sure that I'd actually want one of those in my in my home or my no. studio. Might be good yeah. for a cafe or a nightclub. Yeah, stunning, yeah. stunning look though. Yeah. I, I think actually the um, I was talking with uh, Mr. Baldwin. I believe his name was Larry, if I if I remember correctly, the grandson of the guy that started the company, and he was saying that I I don't recall the name of the artists that were. Um, commissioned to do these these pianos, but they apparently are part of the jet set in uh, Manhattan right now. So I think it's more of a publicity thing for Baldwin. These pianos can go on tour and you know sort of heighten the awareness of of Baldwin pianos and usher them into the 21st century. I own, I own a Baldwin Grand and I I love their pianos. They're yeah. fantastic. Yeah. Does the color make a difference to the sound? Oh, most definitely. Oh, really? <laughs> mine's a mine's a cherry. <laughs> yeah. I'm not sure what that means exactly. Um, okay, well, I suppose we could talk about what was released. Um, I suppose I'm, I've got a list of kind of highlights that uh, that were there in terms of um, the technology. And for me, I have to say that the uh, Akai's MPC 5000 was a bit of a surprise. I mean, you know. MPCs, they're releasing iterations of them all over the place. I never get very excited about them because I'm not an MPC kind of guy, but I looked at that and I thought, wow. And I did, I've, I watched the demo and, you know, I was there when we filmed it and it was, it was, it was brilliant, actually, uh, I thought. Um, and uh, quite an amazing amount of stuff in there. You've got the eight voice um, VA synth and you've got um, multi track recording and what have you. Just joined by um, non Eric um, from Berlin, who I think is suffering from a little bit of. Um, European time shift. He thinks we're recording in half an hour, but we've actually been recording for half an hour. But, you know, it's an easy mistake to make with all these people in multiple time zones. So, non-Eric from Berlin, how are you? I'm fine. How are you? Good. We're all having a sort of bit of a post-NAM kind of discussion, and we got on to the MPC 5000. And I know you are an MPC kind of freak. Did you see it? And what did you think about it? Well, it was one of the first things I uh, wanted to see at the show. And, uh, well, looking at the spec sheets, it basically got everything that the MP3 2500 has in terms of features. Right. Plus um, a couple of more uh, knobs and sliders to tweak, an analog synth, and 8-track hard disk recording and lots of in and output. So from merely looking at the specs, it sounds like a terrific machine. Um, However, uh, taking a closer look at the unit and listening to it, I first found that um, the whole, uh, you know, the whole machine has a very kind of a cheap feel to it because it's it's really all plastic. So it's got a very obvious Chinese heritage, I would say. Uh-huh. But at least it feels a little bit that way. And you know, um, and compared to the old MP3 3000 I'm using, which is more or less a lot of metal work, this is pure plastic uh, in its in its uh, whole. So ah, I didn't. I actually didn't get to to sort of touch it and feel it, to be honest. Um, but I, I, I suppose that must be one way that they've kept the price down because two and a half thousand bucks for all of that does seem like quite good value to me. Yeah, but the, the thing is, uh, generally, that's one of my major complaints to all of the manufacturers, that it seems to be that they all have the notion that they can't sell anything that's more expensive than 2,500 euro or dollar or whatever, that's because we, we, we hardly see any really sort of well-made professional gear that you really want to play with for years. I mean, I, I, I see their point of view in terms of marketing and everything, but uh, you asked my personal opinion, and to me, it, 
I think they're not using, like in the old days, they used to use really high-end uh, DA and HD converters in all of their products. That's what the Archive S-series S is famous for. And right. The 3000s famous for. And listening to, to that unit, it seemed a little bit like they went for... Uh, lower-priced uh, converters, and the built-in analog synths is really sort of ooh. Hmm. I, I, from from looking just looking at the features, it, this will be the machine for me. But I'm not sure I really want to touch the plastic case. How much do you think it would have to be to to fulfil your requirements? Then, how much more would you pay to get that extra stuff? I think it's. Uh, uh, Something like three or four thousand euros, I think it's is something. I mean, this is a workstation that basically could replace your whole setup. Yeah, you that's what I thought from 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 the kind of feature list and the way it was. I was thinking, wow, that is almost like an entire. It's an entire. You know, when they say music production studio, you always take it with a pinch of salt. But in that case, you actually think, no, actually, that really is pretty much a music production studio right there. You know, there's no. There's nothing else you really, really need. I mean, obviously, a mics and what have you, but, you know, it was all there. Uh, well, sure. Um, from that point of view, it's a great machine. Uh, the only thing, I mean, that sounds, sounds a little bit like a contradiction, but I think it's basically for the real MPC feel, it does too much. Because <laughs> that's the beauty of using, uh, you know, a vintage old drum machine like, Archi MPC 3000 or even going back to the SP1200 is what I found is the glory of these machines is what they cannot do instead of what, right. what they can do because that really makes you stick to you know to the basics where here I think I've, I've almost seen something that looked like a Cubase within the Archi I mean I think that they even have key editor waveform editing everything is there I mean it kind of defeats the point for me personally but uh Anyone who argues differently is obviously welcome and just as right as I am. <laughs> I suppose if Akai are going to bring out a new MPC, they've got to update it and make it slightly more relevant to the modern market. I mean, I understand what you're saying about the limitations inherent within the machines, but I don't know. It's just when I look at specs and you see, you know, for, why haven't these things, for example, got uh, two effects on every track minimum, a bunch of master effects, you need that flexibility these days. If you're used to doing stuff in software, you do have that flexibility. Well, that's true. I mean, I suppose it has to stop somewhere when you're, when you're limited with a kind of, you've got a DSP in the box, you can't expand it, you can put more RAM in it, but, you know, the actual DSP is what it is. And if you... Surely we yeah. come to a stage where it's quite easy to shovel in, you know, a few dozen effects no, into maybe a hardware right. unit. For years and years and years, everything stagnated, didn't it? You had sort of three master effects and two sort of... Um, um, aux effects and uh, it just seemed to stay at that level for years and years it, it, it kind of like put me off a lot of those hardware boxes really that's definitely a point but what scares me a little bit is if this little poor CPU and DSP machine in there is basically busy doing all the all the usual stuff like EQing effects uh, automate blah 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 and what i'm really looking for is a machine that's really very dedicated to maybe uh rhythm um output i mean so getting them in the rhythm strength tight, rhythm tight, yeah that's what the strength is uh, looking at the sp1200 god i mean that's going back in history quite a some time but that unit is basically too dumb too stupid for anything but it's able to really um you know, re kick it. at least kick, kick and release the samples in time that no computer can do because they are busy with looking at the USB port, updating the second screen, you know, uh, looking at the CD-ROM drive. You know, they're great. They, I mean, we've got eight core processors now, but I think in terms of a real-time system, um, these are inherently bad, and I think it's got really worse. What what was what was the highlight for you then, Hans? What was your kind of product of the, the thing that made you go, "Ooh, that's nice"? I wasn't expecting that. I loved the audio cubes. In Did a you? Way. Yeah, it really kind of the first thing that really worked and was easy to use. I don't know what I would use it for actually. Yeah, that uh, would be but... my next question. <laughs> 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 then I think the uh, the euphonics. Was cool the the controllers. That's the Yukon Artist Series MC Mix and MC Control. Yeah. Yes, we did a video with those. Um, 
the guy was wasn't keen on going off road when I was asking him the uh, questions about it, and I think the units he had were still prototype. But I think the most exciting thing about the Euphonics control series was that it uses the same Yukon protocols that their kind of quarter of a million dollar consoles use. So you can kind of work in their world. And it was fast, man. That was the one thing. And the the thing that I liked about those, if I may just for a moment, the touchscreen uh, on the um, MC Mix, or the MC Control rather, um, there's no DSP, there's, there's no computer in the unit it just all comes down the wires because the wires are so fast to be able to update and what have you and that sounded quite exciting so he did envisage a possible time when you could actually render the effects um interface on the screen so you would have a representation of what you were playing with so you know whether it be you know a dave one of your um synth plugins vsm or whatever you could actually have that as a representation on the touchscreen and that sounded quite an exciting kind of potential um, move forward in terms of this kind of holy grail of controllers that uh, perhaps we're, we're I'm looking for, perhaps. Definitely. Yeah, then, of course, there was the Mtron Pro. <laughs> that was the highlight of the show. I think they quoted it in the Nam Daily almost every single day, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, I didn't make it off the booth an awful lot because, obviously, we were in kind of demo city. But, yeah, yeah. no, f- feedback was great. Good. I'm glad we got that in. Chacho was great. Cha-cha. What was that? Yeah. Uh, Optigan stuff. Ah, yes, yes, of course, because um, you did that video demo with the uh, the guitar riff in it, which uh, you spotted somewhere, and I think I got your reference. So we'll Exactly, wait yeah. yeah. We know that's coming out in February. We do, yeah. <laughs> Although it has been available uh, illicitly sometime before then. Um, PJ, what was the highlight of the show for you, then? Well, uh, we already talked about John Bowen's, um, you know, meeting John Bowen and, and seeing the Solaris in the flesh. But I think aside from that, probably, um, uh, I, I hate to be so pedantic, but spe- Spectrosonic's Omnisphere. Uh-huh. That Amazing. Was, I think that caused probably the biggest stir. No, I just wanted to say that they, they really stirred up the excitement because they did full uh, one-page one ads in all the magazines. Uh, announced so everybody was kind of uh, yeah, for Everybody was really keen. Yeah, they have a they have a huge forum following too. I mean, just uh, a huge feeding frenzy around Spectrosonics. And um, I I own I own all of their products, and I think they're pretty fantastic workhorses. And uh, Omnisphere looks to be you know the next step, the next step up from Atmosphere. So I look forward to um, yeah. To that, that was a, I think you know probably in terms of software, apart from uh, Dave's. Um Mtron Pro was probably the biggest product for the, of the show, I would say. Even I'll bit... concede defeat to the Omnisphere. I mean, one could be cynical and just say it's going to be a bunch of people who are just going to play presets and use them for Miami Vice or whatever. But there was that quite a happen. lot going on yeah. under the hood that you could do. You know, you could de- dig real deep by the looks of things. I I go along with that. I think that it was uh, it was definitely one of the most talked about products uh, of the show. And for me, you know, seeing the videos of how they created some of those sounds, I'm happy to endorse any product where they're setting fire to pianos. <laughs> really? <laughs> Not well, a popular point of view, I, maybe. No, but the, I mean, you can see that there was actual creative thought and process that has gone into doing it you know whether or not you know it might sound great and and also there's a danger of doing that i mean i wonder how many things they did hey this will make a great sound and actually was rubbish for every hit there must be a miss you know and what was the thing about the tesla coil didn't some didn't some guy set up a massive tesla coil in his room i like to think that Mm. we actually had something to do with that because we were talking about on the podcast quite some time ago there's that there is a midi controlled tesla coil isn't there that um, and one guy was playing it and we were watching it and it was just Fabulous, and it was playing. Actually, I can't remember the tunes it was playing. It might have even been this tune. Or maybe not. <laughs> Gary Newman there. Another little sort of just brief reference. He's 50 on the 8th of March. Anyway, carry um, on. Yeah, there was one, one thing. Uh, did you realise that uh, Native Instruments is now a, a sound company? Yes. Much more than an instrument company, and then that's what they sort of proclaimed. That was interesting. Mm. We did an interview with a guy called Joshua um, about the core player, the free core player that you can, yeah. will be able to get, I mean, anytime Back soon. Back to preset land. 
Well, it's quite interesting because basically they're giving away this player, Native Instruments, um, that allows you to... It's, it basically contains all of their engines. So you get the FM8 engine, you get the reactor engine, you get Absinthe engine, you get Contact 2 en- 3 engine or whatever. And it's all in there. So it then allows them to sell you sound packs you, that you can utilise using the core engine to access all of those sounds. And the player is free and the sound... You get a couple of hundred presets with it or a hundred presets for nothing. And then they sell these other um, presets, um, you know, that's what they'll be selling. And that was I, it's kind of quite a bold move. Um, and like you say, Hans, I mean, it's a little bit of a left-hand turn from somebody who's actually been innovating in terms of instruments. I think that that's probably um, a result of their sales and whatever feedback and from feedback from users, because we all know that 90% of all users only use the presets. And uh, since we've seen a slight decline in software prices through the move from Logic, and uh, I think also um, Native Instruments have, have reduced their prices on virtual instruments recently, we are seeing uh, a trend towards, um, you know, the, the, the library thing. I mean... How yeah. many gigs are floating around? I mean, we need to have extra drives just for the vast sound libraries. And we seem to be going back into preset land, you know, where everybody's sort of going through the presets. But I, for native, I don't know. I mean, if, if I can buy a sound library of ab- the best of absence for 59 euros, isn't that going to reduce their margins and their turnover at large if 90% of the users only need that instead of the full thing? Well, maybe, but then, um, I don't know. D- Dave, I mean, you must have a, a, have a view on this because, um, obviously, you know, you have to generate a lot of presets for, for your instruments. I mean, do you think there's something that can work for them? I mean, and does it, does it kind of bode well? It's quite interesting, certainly on a kind of piracy level because, obviously, people like kind of bloatware in order to cut down on, uh, you know, the amount of gigs you can transfer, uh, broadband connections and stuff like that. I was very surprised, I have to say. Mm. See, I think, I think Native Instruments has made a, made a good move you know, as far as far as their company's model is concerned, because I think that they will tap into a large population of folks that wouldn't shell out for something like the complete bundle or, or the core two um, product as it's, you know, as it stands in its, in its native form, because it's too expensive. And they'd say, I'm, I'm not going to use all that power. I'm just not going to use it. Mm-hmm. I mean, there, there's obviously some people that will, will jump into it, probably knowing subconsciously that they'll never tap into, you know, 99% of what those synthesizers can do but I think those people will actually go for the full products anyway but there's going to be a whole sea of folks out there that will be willing to shell out you know 59 euro or whatever it is for a pack of sounds to play well it makes in. sense I mean because you know let's face it I mean I don't know if you ever tried using Reactor and actually kind of making anything in it you know I mean it's it's amazing and super powerful and all of those things but to be honest you know my life I have more valuable things than I can be doing than, than, than that. You know, there are people who will make great presets for it, but it, that's why the presets for something like Reactor are so popular because, because nobody else can make them, <laughs> I suppose, is the, is the answer. You know, so it's, it, in some senses, it's so deep. And I think there's a, to, to a degree, that's probably the same for Absinthe. You know, it's an incredibly deep synthesizer, but it's just almost too deep. You know, it's it's too it's too daunting. You know, from for ninety percent of 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 the population who are going to use synthesizers to actually get in there and do anything meaningful with. Well, on a slight tangent to that, I think it was quite interesting that um, PV released the Revolver software, which uh, is kind of like a Reactor light. But I agree with you about Reactor. I mean, who really has the time to sit there and dick around with voltages and? create components yeah it's very difficult um so has everybody got dave did you did you give us a highlight of the show for you have you done yours i think pj covered mine definitely um solaris and absolutely omnisphere in fact it's brilliant because uh eric and the team were right across from us so i caught the first demo of the day and i thought i'll just skive off for five minutes go down and you know have a have a listen and uh walk down there and went wow Wow. And I looked at my watch and it was 50 minutes later and I was still going, wow, wow. Yeah, he, uh, so, yeah it was we actually, great. We had an appointment book with Eric um, um, to do our own demo and uh, it got to the end of the first bit and uh, he'd just done like an hour and a half and then he cut it down to an hour and then he cut it down to 50 minutes and I was just thinking, crikey, I hope we don't get, you know, maybe we should wait a little while so he can pass it down to kind of maybe 10 minutes for us and a very 
very kindly they created a space in the in the schedule for us to do a, a kind of Sonic State special. It turns out he's a big fan of um and his team are a big fan of the shows and um the video stuff that we do in the podcast. So hello oh, okay. to any of you who are listening, which, hey guys. Was, which was kind of cool. In fact, we got that a lot, and I don't know whether it's just because everybody who listens to the podcast happened to go to Nam, but I got a hell of a lot of people coming up saying, you know, enjoying the show. Um, are you? x y or z from the podcast and i, d- I know dave you got a little bit of that as well so it's kind of mm. a celebrity kind of, well it's not celebrity it's recognition i think it's always oh, nice to get right, a bit of yes. recognition you know because okay. uh, it's, it's a void isn't it we we enjoy talking to each other but you never really know what's going on outside of the sort of digital wall that we're behind but yeah so everybody who came up and said hi thank you very much and hi back to you um lots of people kind of going yeah, man, I've I've enjoyed. I've I've just gone back and listened to seventy episodes. You think, crikey, you know that is dedication, isn't it? Or perhaps too much time commuting or something. I'm not quite sure. Um, after the demo, I kind of hung around a little bit, and uh, I know Diego and um, Glenn, um, and obviously Spectrosonics licensed the Imposca filters, uh, which they've got in Omnisphere. So I was chatting away to Glenn in particular, and just kind of saying, well, you know, that it's such an immense task they've done. Kind of how long did it take? And he sort of looked at me slightly glazed and slightly fatigued <laughs> and said, well, I said, the thing is, Eric and I argued for about six months over certain features that we'd like to see. And then at the end of the six months, we just looked at each other and went, let's do both. Right. And I think, and I think that shows. Right. Dave, wasn't that, um, is Glenn the guy responsible for the crystal? Pre-working. Yes. Yeah. It's out there. Yeah. And they were arguing over whether or not to implement uh, sp- specifically one of the, one of the features was the the envelopes, right? Uh, yes. Glenn is into the multi-breakpoint envelopes, and Eric is into the simpler, more simple approach that's sort of fader ADSR based kind yeah, of thing. Exactly. And man, I'm glad they went both ways. And and watching my favorite feature of Omnisphere, I'm I'm you know. It, today just watching the demos was watching the chaos uh designer morph through those multi-breakpoint envelopes in real time that was astonishing it was brilliant because talking to diego yeah. he said that you know there were lots obviously huge discussions throughout development and he said that um you know things like sort of because eric understands the kind of adsr stuff and diego does um you know when glenn was trying to explain you know what he had in mind they were kind of going well yeah yeah but he said you know it was fantastic really from a kind of musician's perspective that once glenn had basically said you know it's basically a timeline that's it you can have as many points as you like within the timeline yeah it's still the same thing they kind of all went oh yeah yeah okay i get it and i really like that kind of meeting of minds Uh, one of the interesting things is obviously it's not going to be out till what september Mm. Yeah, I mean, and and presumably that might be a little bit um, optimistic as well, because given the size of it. Yeah. Um, let's just move on quickly to um, Oz, because um, he hasn't had a highlight of the show yet, so I was just going to uh, ask him. Highlight of the show, I think it was probably the weather. <laughs> <laughs> Good one. I, I'm a sucker for little, you know, uh, collectible hardware gadgets, so I thought the Blofeld was very good. Mm. Waldorf's. Um, I, cu- I couldn't actually get to it. I, every time I went to the stand, I couldn't get my hands on it. Somebody else well, was there. And- well, I've seen that um, kicking about at shows for, oh, I don't know, over a year now since they seem to have been, um, you know, showcasing that on their site, uh, their, their stand. But also, the, um, I was a little surprised to see uh, the Access Virus Snow, that little Blofeld size unit that looks like, I don't know, it's going to come in at about. Seven or eight hundred pounds, mm, yeah, which is extraordinary. But one thing that I thought was great was um, in the access booth, they had um, this new feature, oh, the glitch thing, the kind of glitch thing where you just piping audio through um, one of the, oh, the virus TI buffers, yeah, and they just and it's what is it, Richard Devine, Devine, yeah, yeah, yeah. We we filmed a demo of that. And it was oh, I'm so crazy. glad you brought that up because I, I I didn't get a chance to make it over to the access booth, and I, I am a huge fan of Richard Devine's sound design. I mean, what a what a guy. I mean, yeah, well, they, to yeah. turn to turn the virus control surface into a sort of you know glitching uh, station was just amazing, really. Uh, and maybe it's just because you had someone who was so well practiced at creating yeah. those kind of sounds at the controls. But did you play with it? 
Uh, no, I just stood it, there for about ten minutes was, while he did. It was I had Mark uh, Mark Schlale, um, who's a kind of good good friend from the show. We always try and hook up with him. Um, he he sat me down and said, "Oh, come and play with this." And it's a new, it's just a new effect that will go into the TI stuff. It's not even a kind of add on at the moment. I don't know. It's not finalised. And what it basically is is it gives you um, a buffer. Um, the audio buffer is split into kind of you know uh, quarter note uh, and then right up to kind of micro amount, so you can get real buzzing kind of things. But then you can also reverse it, you can pitch it, and you just play it on the keyboard from an incoming stereo source. And it is really, it's really addictive. And everybody's been going, oh yeah, so whatever. But actually, you play with it, and you're kind of going, you know, you could use it for, you could almost just use it as a lot as part of a live DJ set, you know, or you can use it as a kind of interesting way of cutting up something you've already pre-recorded. It's it, it's quite a an addictive and very creative process. I have well, to say, they've done a good job. I thought it was incredibly creative. The fact that um, he basically had just a pretty standard four-four loop going on. But for about 10 minutes, everyone was absolutely hooked, you know. And you sort of think, well, you know, I, I kind of, I can get into something quite monotonous. I, I <laughs> But if if someone's going to make that sort of the creative twists all over the place, then, yeah, I was I was really impressed. Oh, cool. Well, um, that's, I, I, I'd like to put a, also a shout in for um, SM Pro Audio um, iNano, which is like a little passive volume control. Don't know if anyone saw that. It's about the size of, uh, I don't know, a large... Um, volume control <laughs> basically a, a box that you put between you and your active speakers and it just allows you to kind of diminish and change the volume without having to kind of affect the actual um, output of your A to D or D to A which I thought that was what's cool. it called it's what's called, it called? iNano and it's a passive volume control for active speakers and it's $69 oh. And I know a lot of people uh, are running in, into that problem. They they go out and they think, oh, it's so convenient to get the um, active speakers. Yeah. And so they hook up the active speakers to their audio interface and suddenly they're sort of dealing with the input or the output of logic or whatever uh, in, in trying to reduce their yeah, uh, listening screws, volume, which is crazy. <laughs> yeah, but this thing, that's what this thing does. And it's a brilliant little that's thing. 69 bucks. I think it's been out for a little while, but I'd not seen it before. And it's uh, it's just a brilliant little gizmo. SM Pro Audio um, do quite a lot of those sort of things, um, just kind of useful gadgets. And that was um, one I think I would like to get, although I have got a mixer here, but it'd be a good thing to have between other ways. Um, a, th- a couple of other things that are worth mentioning. Um, I saw a guy called Mike Green, really nice bloke, uh, Realivox. It's 12 singers, 12 articulations. Um, in a contact engine doesn't sound that kind of exciting but it was brilliantly sampled um, a sort of vocal library which was really cool and of course robert marcello's amazing boss gt10 guitar demo he he's he's like the uber shredder from sweden he's playing with he's played with all sorts of people Ingrid malmsteen and you know tons and he just he just wouldn't stop the kind of we were filming a demo and we said yeah we got five minutes or whatever and then as soon as he started playing his solo the room filled and everybody was going whoop, you know, and he just wouldn't stop. And um, and he was really quite remarkable, if you like that sort of thing. It was a sort of journey through guitar shredding from the <laughs> 80s to the 90s, you know. But he's a, he is a real virtuoso. Nick, Nick, I'm sorry I have to split. Okay, well, thank you very much for joining us, Hans. Um, Non-Eric there from Berlin. you got to go. Yes. Next time I will remember that there is a one-hour time difference. Okay, between- see you later. Not two hours. Bye. <laughs> Sonic Talk. Sponsored by Yamaha Music Production. Producers of the world's most popular digital mixing consoles. Accurate professional studio monitoring systems. Incredibly realistic and portable digital stage pianos. The versatile motif range of music production synthesizers. And the latest N-series digital mixing studios. Featuring the cleanest signal pump and full Cubase AI4 integration. www.yamahasynth.com Sonic Talk. Any other mentions? The reissue of the roads. Ah, uh, yeah, we saw that last year, and that was that was that was probably the biggest product of the show last year, I would say. And I heard you had a pretty uh, hot jam there, PJ. I've been told, Chris. Mm. Chris said he witnessed something special, which uh, sounded like it was great. Oh well, it was a good time. Yeah, ran into a guy from New York, and we started playing together. And I, I just love. I, I, I'm going to get one for sure. Okay, most definitely. They seem to have got it, and they look so beautiful, although they do need a lot of polishing. Yeah. (laughs) 
Yeah. Anybody else? Oz, you look like you might have something to say there. What's what? Well, I thought it was quite interesting. This seems to be about the first... Uh, I think the first NAMM show I went to was in about 2000. And this seemed to be the first one that you could actually differentiate from any of the others by way of layout or, you know, the fact that the Roland booth didn't take up a whole half side of uh, one of the halls. Yep. Uh, the fact that the DJ arena seemed to be lacking in any DJ gear. It was just a little bit of lighting and PA stuff in there. Uh, the car park outside where they usually have those terrible uh, sort of, you know... John Lennon tour bus experiences. Jo- uh, well, yeah. <laughs> I'm reluctant to uh, malign the John Lennon tour bus for uh, many reasons, it being a charitable organisation and all that. Sure. But- they uh, usually expose you to the worst excesses of sort of middle-of-the-road funk rock <laughs> in, as, as, you're, as you're trying to, uh, you know, see off your Rush down slab a bean of burger. red meat yeah. for lunch. But the fact as well, you know, that had been built up part of the Marriott. Um, yeah, the, th- the, the show had a sort of very different feel all round and a slightly different look this year. So I thought that was uh, maybe worth mentioning. 2008 will be the year that I remember <laughs> yeah, but maybe that's the year because you weren't on editorial business. You could kind this of is true. Be- uh, not being there in my traditional role as a journalist meant that I was sober for at least some of the show, which is a, <laughs> which was a big help, really, uh, in appreciating uh, the not only the people but the exhibits and the weather. Ah, oh, well, a lovely piece there. Yes. Thank you, thank you. <laughs> uh, I think one of the other highlights I'd like to say, which I, I managed to capture on the uh, my Nokia N95 um, video moment uh, when I did the, was um, just as a precursor, we just, well, we I just ordered the first margarita and we bumped into Dave Robinson, who's a regular contributor from Pro Sound, uh, Pro Sound News Europe. He's currently actually in uh, Amsterdam at another show, um, but he'd lost his voice and he sounded um, remarkably like the gingerbread boy from Shrek. And um, he very kindly did a little ID for me, which I've put at the end of my um, video blog, which I think you'll just have to check out. I don't know if anyone saw it. Um, and I do apologise in advance for my um, <laughs> semi-naked uh, um, appearance at the beginning, but I wanted to give a flavour of what it was like to wake up in, you know, at Nam starting the hotel. Oz is looking at me like I've done some sort of porn movie. I, in I, I'm, I'm just worried because we're the only two sharing a studio right now. <laughs> it's okay. I was literally, you know, it was a sh- above the shoulder shot only. A couple of th- more things that I want to mention. Um, the Stanton Firewire DJ control things. Did you see those? Because you're a bit of a DJ kind of guy, aren't you, Oz? Did you see the the SCS-1M and the SCS-1D, which are sort of Firewire controls for um, numerous software DJ products? And they were quite rocking. Uh, no, I didn't see them. Did you not? I no, heard well, that they were supposed to be a bit of a kind of big product for Stanton who haven't actually done anything for quite some time. Well, usually I like to. Uh, the first thing I do when I get to the show is is scout around for a good um, a good uh, stand where I can go and have a sort of therapeutic post night out kind of half hour scratch of a morning, just sort of get the headphones on. A bit of wiki wiki, you mean? Not that, not exactly. Yeah, yeah. No, that takes not, place in the vagabond. The other scratch. What you're thinking yeah. of, but um, <laughs> but this year there seems to be much less emphasis on sort of um, you know, sort of uh visitor interaction on the dj booths it seemed to be a lot of show and a lot of glitz and some good names there showing off the latest bits and pieces but um but no i didn't do my usual thorough rounds of the dj area so i missed those were they any good uh, the scs 1m which is the mixer portion of it had uh, uh was pretty rocking and enabled you to kind of set loop points and trigger things on the flight on the on the go um, and had a sort of sound card built into it and then the scm scs 1d Difficult to trip. They don't exactly trip off the tongue, I must say. Um, actually has a platter. You know, it's got a turntable, so you can actually interact using the turntable, uh, but also you get some various V-pots and all, all, all sort of cue buttons and what have you. And, you know, not being a DJ, I don't know kind of how good it is, but, um, it, you know, this guy, um, Darren B-Side Brown, I think his name was, and he was kind of rocking it up. Well, how did I talked to someone, actually. How did Stanton manage to pull themselves out of the, uh, the mire after uh, their split with Native Instruments? Right. What is what was because what were they working on together previous to that? What's it? Well, Stanton had uh, Final Scratch that was uh, the okay. software front end was Tractor. Right. I see. And then obviously with Native releasing the their DJ hardware. Right. They decided to uh, withdraw from their arrangement. I think everything was perfectly above board and within you know established business parameters, but they just sort of left them. It didn't work out. No. 
Shame. So, uh, Dave, did you see anything that made you laugh uproariously at the show, or was it uh, a serious and sombre affair, mostly? Um, no, really, the only thing that made me laugh was um, seeing Andy off at three in the morning after something like 18 margaritas and going, harbours that way, I think. He, the, he, he got back. I was asleep. Um, uh, he, he got into the hotel. I think it was, yeah, it was sort of after three sometime. And he just, because we were leaving our computers kind of processing stuff while we're out gallivanting. And he come and just kind of sat there and looked at his computer for like a whole hour. <laughs> I kept waking up and he was just still just sat there just looking at it. And I don't think anything actually happened. And then he went, and then he went to bed. <laughs> There's really no need for working at that kind of time of day. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, gentlemen, thank you very much for sharing your NAM experiences with us. Um, obviously, um, we've said goodbye to Non-Eric, who made a brief uh, entrance. Um, but I'd like to say goodbye to uh, Mr. Dave Fe- Spears from G4 Software, g4software.com. Thank you very much. Oh, can I just do my uh, competition plug, please? Oh, of course, yeah, who actually has a competition on the go. So let's let's hear it. Based around the entire NAM um, fun and games, um, we've put some photographs on, a, on our site and uh, it's called Nam, uh, sorry, or Name That Booth. And uh, the winner gets a choice of uh, one of our instruments. So, well, they have to identify the photographs of several booths that you've taken and placed on your site. And, um, and then they'll win. Yeah, there'll be uh, a winner that we'll select. Um, yeah, good luck. Brilliant. Have you, taken fo- have, you, have you taken sort of photographs of the carpet and stuff like that? Uh, some are pretty cryptic. But, uh, yeah, I don't think anyone will get all of them, probably even if they were there, but um, there's a few clues lying around. Ah, okay. Great. Well, um, there you go. G4 Software competition time. Just go to g4software.com and it's kind of right there on the front page somewhere. Uh, Yeah, I'm sure there'll be a link. Yeah. That would would be wise. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, well, great. Well, thank you very much, Dave, and um, good luck with the Mtron Pro. When are we going to see that, do you think? Uh, Well, if I said... Um, Frankfurt, would you believe me? And I think the chances are no, so I'll say Frankfurt. Shame there's not a show in Vienna, really, isn't there? And we could say, it means nothing to me. Oh, dear. Well, there is. There is, actually. We didn't go. (laughs) You didn't miss much. I'll tell you what, I'll edit that bit out, then I won't seem such an idiot. Uh, PJ Tracy from uh, Minneapolis, I'm glad you've managed to shiver through the show and um, turn your heating on extra high um, and stay warm. Yeah, yeah, it's nice and uh, I'm actually shirtless here now. It's nice and warm. That's more information than I need. <laughs> Coming from you, that's, that's my, quite something. My homage. That's, uh, we could be brothers in sort of naked By homage to Nick. <laughs> no, thank you, Nick. It was a pleasure. Well, I'm glad you enjoyed the show too. Uh, and also, uh, Mr. Oz Owen from FeedbackPR.com. Is that FeedbackPR.com? Indeed, yeah, FeedbackPR.com will take you to the website. So do go there and have a look and see who we're dealing with. Brilliant. Well, thanks for joining us, everybody. Cheers. It was a pleasure. Thank you. Okay, thanks again for listening. Uh, don't forget, um, you can contact us uh, to send us an MP3 or a message or ring us up on one of the numbers. I won't bother ringing them out now because nobody ever bothers to ring anyway. But uh, if you do get round to it, uh, you can find the numbers in the show notes. We'd love to hear from you. And once again, thank you very much to all of those who came and said hi at the NAM show. And we'll see you next week. Sonic State. Rob's call.